when I got the email from my coach, I had no words. Like, I just had to go just staying at my phone for at least 10 minutes. It was honestly a dream. That was Brown University forward Brittany Rafino, and she's the guest on today's episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Welcome into another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Today, I'll be joined by Brown University senior forward, Brittany Rafino. Brittany, thanks so much for joining us today. Good time. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You're a great guest to have. And I told you off air, I've been been wanting to have you on the show for a while now, obviously, because of your decorated college career at Brown that you're in the midst of here. But also some big news you got or last month, I guess it was March national team call up for the U23 women's youth national team. What was that experience like? And what was that like to, to get that news? I like when I got the email from my coach, I had no words like I just had to go just staying at my phone for at least 10 minutes. <laughs> it was honestly a dream. Like growing up, that was always a big goal for me is to see if I could get the call up. And what I did, it was just, it was just a combination of all the hard work and six, like an effort and energy I've put into this game and improving myself on and off the field. So yeah, it was everything. To this point in your in your career, and you've accomplished a lot, and you, you're still obviously playing. But is that where does that rank in terms of accomplishments for you? It's pretty up there. I would say <laughs> top five things, the top three things I've I've been able to accomplish. What was it like when you arrived with the team and and got together with all the players? Did you know most of the players that were there? I mean, all of you are, are great college players, but did, did you know a lot? Were you, were you familiar with a lot of the players? I was familiar with a couple of the ones that made to the Final Four last year. So some girls from Alabama, UCLA, UNC, but I didn't know any of them personally. So it was definitely a little nerve-wracking going in, especially my first camp. And a lot of them had been there for a couple of years now, but they were all so welcoming and nice and made me feel at ease. And they, the coaches reminded us beginning that you, everyone was selected for a reason. And just remember what your special talent is. And that really helped me get through the first couple of day, days and the jitters and stuff like that. Yeah, I was going to say, is that like intimidating? To I mean, you're obviously confident in what in what you are as a player, and like the, that that coach said that you're all there for a reason. But is it intimidating to get in there with with a team that you're trying to form a chemistry with in a short amount of time? I mean, obviously, you players are mature. So I I always think it's probably it might be harder when you're like 16 or 17 or a 15 year old to go to a national team camp because you're you're younger and you're not quite as mature as you would be older. But how easy was that to form a chemistry with all these players? It was definitely intimidating at first, especially knowing we're going to go against teams that have been playing together for a couple of months in preseason. But we all kind of, like I said, remembered why we were there and knew what our special talents and what we could bring to the table. And everyone just like trusted each other and bringing those special talents and figuring out how to mesh it all in together. And the coaching staff was amazing with helping us do that. We did a lot of drills in the beginning about like defensive shape and just learning how to work off one of each other which by the our last game I feel like it all came together so yeah we were just improving as time went on how did you feel like you played with the team did you feel like you you I mean you know you belong but did you feel like you showed that you belong at that level too yes I yeah. think I did when I went on for my when I got subbed in the first game I just couldn't stop smiling <laughs> like I was like I'm gonna take in this whole experience no matter 
good or bad. And I think that's one that kind of helped me. And I was like, but I have nothing to lose. And so I'm just going to play my heart out. And I think I did just that. And I assume, I mean, obviously you probably have professional soccer aspirations. So to, to play at that level with that caliber of talent as you did, that's got to give you good confidence going forward that, that you'll reach those aspirations, right? Yeah, it was definitely inspiring. And I, the biggest thing I took away from going is that like, I feel like I'm in control of my own destiny. I know what I need to do to get to the next level and how to succeed at the next level. And so going there just gave me all the hopes in the world that I can one day reach my dream. Now, before you reach that dream, you still have another year to go at Brown. And we, we were talking off air that you're going to take advantage of that extra COVID year eligibility. You're a senior right now, but you're going to come back. And I saw Brown recently announced you on the website as one of the team captains for this coming 2023 season, which actually is crazy. It starts in like four months, which is that the season's creeping up on us. What does that mean to you to be coming back to Brown for another year and being a team captain and, and leading this team again? First of all, I'm really happy that my team saw me as a, a leader on the team and the five of us are going to do an excellent job together leading it. And we all know what it takes to win a championship multiple. So it's going to be a great experience to lead the team with my best friends. And I'm just, I'm so excited. When I was deciding that I wanted to use my COVID year, I knew there's no other place I would want to go besides Brown because I've been here in the same environment. I've seen this team grow even before I got here. And I just know we have some, some unfinished business to do, especially in the tournament. And so I'm excited for next year to get started and show everybody the hard work we've been putting on off season. And I know, maybe get another ring in the process. <laughs> now, was it the your teammates who elected the team captain? Was that the coaching staff or was it a team vote? It was a team vote. And usually we have three captains, but five, five of us got a lot of votes. And co- the coaches didn't want to kind of make their own decision about who shouldn't should it. And they thought that this would be a really unique thing for such a unique team. And so far, smooth sailing. Well, like I said, we're all best friends. We all live with each other too, so. Um, everything's going pretty well. That's going to be like the ultimate show of respect when your teammates elect you, right? I mean, because it's it's one thing if the coaching staff sees your value and they elect you captain, that's that's great as well. But when your teammates, the players who are out there on the field with you, see you as a leader and see you as someone who should be leading the team, that's going to be pretty a pretty nice thrill, right? Yeah, it definitely helps with my confidence knowing that they see me as a leader and someone they can look up to and respect. So that definitely makes having that position a lot easier. Was the decision to come back for this extra year, was that an easy one for you? Or did you, did you wrestle with it a little bit? Or I originally wasn't going to use it, but then it was actually after the St. John's loss in the first round of the tournament my junior year that um, I, I remember I was staying with my, some of the kids in my class. We looking at each other crying. We're like, we don't, we can't have one more season. We need, we need more. And especially after last year's loss in the tournament, I was, I'm so glad that I decided it was like an Omex, which like, no doubt, this is what I'm doing. Especially I really rules. It's a little hard to figure out, but I was like, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to come back and best decision ever so far. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the Ivy League. You're obviously at a, a great academic institution. So you're, you're juggling the academics along with playing soccer there at, at an Ivy League school. What's that like just being at a, a place so renowned for education, but also trying to be a top-notch soccer player too? definitely was an adjustment in the beginning for sure with the rigorous course load and then try to figure out my major, which is biology. So again, not <laughs> <laughs> I dropped that about five times in college. <laughs> yeah, it's for the journey. But my teammates have been so supportive, especially upperclassmen as I was 
like gain my gain my feet in my in the school and stuff. But figured it out. Right now, it's easier to manage, and I'm helping another younger the younger girls on the team trying to navigate declarations and picking classes and stuff. But and especially with the open curriculum, we have a lot of freedom to pick our classes. So in season, I'm able to take not as hard classes. In the spring, I usually load up, but. Whew. Why biology? <laughs> what was it about biology that drew you in? I originally came in pre-PA, so physician assistant, and I'm still kind of on that track just in case you never know. I just said to have some options for later in life. Right, right. Absolutely. The Ivy League, though, I mean, it's it's incredible the strides it's made just in soccer, too. I mean, you and Harvard and just the, the, really the programs that are now gaining national recognition and are up there with the, the top programs in the country. What's the quality of soccer like playing in the Ivy League? It's funny, when I was at camp, all the girls would kind of ask me about the Ivy League because they had no idea, like, I feel like top schools don't really, were not really on their radar. But I was explaining to them how competitive the Ivy League is, especially we didn't have a tournament. We're going to have our first one this season. Every game matters. If we lost the game, if we dropped some points, that could be your title. It could be your shot at going to the tournament. So especially with having a tournament, having two people go into the tournament, two teams, it it shows how much the Ivy League has progressed as a whole. And I I was I was I was happy to see that we could have that much success showing in the in the tournament. So there will be a a postseason tournament this year coming up. Yes. Wow that perfect. that's that's interesting because I mean the Ivy's kind of been known for not not doing that, which might I mean kind of makes it harder because it, it really puts all that all that pressure on the regular season because that's really your only chance to to wow a committee that's going to get you and either you win the regular season or you get the at-large berth. How happy are you to to be seeing a tournament? And, and, and do you feel like most of the players and coaches in the league are happy that there's going to be a postseason tournament? Yeah, I think everyone's really excited. Like the Ivy League is very competitive, especially because like the Ivy League status. I feel like academics, academically, it's very already really competitive. And so the athletic side is just... Every game is an out, outright brawl. And right. so I'm excited to play like that in the regular season and take it to the tournament um, and seal that, just experience that for the first time. And it's only four teams, so it's still going to be really competitive to make the Wow. Tournament. Yeah, I mean, so that's only half the league. So you still have to have a great regular season. Does that whole competitive thing about the Ivy League, I mean, it, you have to be competitive academically and athletically, but is that kind of fit your personality? Were you always somebody who was just super competitive with everybody? Yes, that's <laughs> growing up. One of my favorite thing about soccer is just the competitiveness, and that's why I feel like I've done so well. Is because I not only like just winning games; it's not just about scoring goals. It's like I'm gonna beat you to this ball, no matter what I do. I'm gonna work harder, and just being competitive in every kind of aspect. And that's another reason why I chose to come to Brown because I knew the Ivy League was so rigorous, and it's lived up to the hype for sure. I've had, especially when we played against Harvard and Princeton, those games. Just thinking back how crazy the energy was, the competitiveness. It's like, I would look around and be like, this is why I play. This is why I'm here. And I couldn't be more happy about it. Who do you view as, as the biggest rival for you guys in the in the Ivy League? Definitely Harvard. Definitely. You know, we've been up there in the whole soccer world in general. We're usually the two that are battling for the, the title. It's always, it's always a big hype and a big game when we play them. Yeah, what's that? What's that lead in like when you know you have them on a game day or it's the day before or the night before? Are you, uh, is it harder to sleep? Are you leading into the game? Are you just anxious to get going? What's, what's your mentality on those games? 
definitely pretty restless the day before. Like I'm, I'm just thinking about like what I need to do, focusing in, trying to stay connected to myself and my body. I'm very, for the game, yes, I'm a little anxious, but once the whistle blows, I feel like everything just leaves my mind and I'm just playing. And when, especially in those games, the margin of error is very slim. And so you just know when you get that one opportunity, that one shining goal, you got to make it count. Right. Any superstitions for you? Any any pregame meals you have to have? Any songs you have to listen to? Anything like that? Yeah, I definitely have some songs I listen to before games. My favorite artist is Brent Bias, so I listen to a couple of his songs. And yeah. Lauren Hill, I listen to I Gotta Find Peace of Mind a couple of times over and over again. <laughs> if I have to, to get myself ready. I do a power pose to the song as well in the mirror with some of my teammates. And some of my teammates <laughs> started to join me midway through the season. And so that was a really nice tradition to add to last year's season. Nice. Now, you've been an All-American. You've been a Mac Herman Trophy semifinalist. You've been Ivy Offensive Player of the Year. So you've, you've like we said earlier, you've had a really decorated career here with a lot of a lot of honors and accolades. Did you always know that this was your, that, that you had this ceiling and you have an even higher, maybe an even higher ceiling than this? I mean, what was your confidence level like when you came into college? And are you sh- surprised at all these awards you've been able to rack up here? I'm not surprised because of all the hard work I put in, but I think I wasn't really aware of my ceiling per se. I was just every year I was like, I'm going to be better than the time I, the last season I was. So not just in terms of goal, like my attitude on the field, how I recovered after mistakes, my effort, my work ethic. And every year I just, I gave that self, gave myself that goal. And it just led to these awards I'm really honored about. And honestly, like, the team I team on has been doing the same thing and I wouldn't wouldn't get those awards without them too. Every year my team has just excelled beyond what I could thought was like think was imaginable and they really helped me get there as well. If you look at your stats, I mean they're pretty balanced. You score goals but you also distribute and and assist on goals as well. What gets you more excited when you score a goal or when you make a great pass that sets somebody up that when it's just a tap in or it's a great ball that someone's able to head in I mean, what gets you more excited, the, the assist or the goal? I I think it depends. But honestly, I've been, when you first asked, when you asked that question immediately, I thought of some of the so great assists I've had. Yeah. Like, we won the Ivy League my junior year, and I passed the ball to Ava, and she made an incredible finish. Like, that moment, the whole, it was raining, and we just won the championship. That was just, it was awesome. I was so happy. And we talked about last preseason wanting to diversify who scores the goal, and I I feel like we've accomplished that a little more, and I'm excited to keep that going to the next season and get some more people on the board. Yeah, because I mean, I think soccer's a little bit like basketball sometimes. Like, you make a great pass. Sometimes that fires you up more than, more than even in, in basketball, sometimes the pass that led to a dunk is better than the dunk. And I think that the pass sometimes gets underrated in these sports because every, the glory goes to the goal scorer. But I, I, that's interesting that you, you say that because it, you, you immediately started thinking of some great passes you made. And I think that's that's the thing that, People who are familiar with soccer don't, or, or kind of not so familiar with soccer don't understand that sometimes the pass is more important than who put the ball in the net. Definitely. Let's talk about your New England upbringing here. You're, you're a New England native, Randolph, right? Randolph, Mass? Yeah. And uh, went to Thayer and played for Scorpions at, at the club level. What was your upbringing with the game like? How early did you start playing? And were there other sports in your life when you, when you were younger? 
Yeah, I started playing when I was three and like I was the part of the first Rugrats team in Randolph. Uh, I I love looking at old pictures of me and like my oversized blue. blue <laughs> yeah, those shirts that are like 10 sizes too big for kids. Yeah. 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 And I kind of just stayed with it from there. My dad was a big motivator in me picking up soccer and loving the game. He played himself. And he's he, when he played when he was in Haiti, he came over when he played in high school and stuff. And he just always loved the game. He watches it 24-7. And so I would go out with him and practice a lot. He always ended up being one of my assistant coaches on whatever team I was on, even in Scorpions. He coached alongside, I don't remember, Mark. Yeah, Mark? yeah. Yes. Alongside him for, I think, the last five years I was on the club. I played basketball as well in high school. I did AAU, and I loved it. But So you were a serious basketball player, too. Yes, yes. I mean, you're, you're, are you, what are you, 5'10? 5'10. So, I mean, tall. that's, that's good height. That, w- what position did you play in basketball? Power forward. Yeah. So, was that, I mean, did you like those sports equally or was soccer still more for you? I, I really like basketball, but yeah, I like, I always like soccer more. Something yeah. about it. I, I love the, ch- how much it challenged me. I loved what it did to my family too. It brought us all together, especially, like I said, my dad loves the game and right. it's just like it's always been a part of me so when i was thinking about what i want to do in college it was kind of a no-brainer i knew i wanted to go to soccer room so you, you mentioned your dad your dad's originally from haiti when when did he come over to the states when he was i think 18 or 19 have you have you been over there at all to haiti no i wish that's yeah. one of my goals i have one day to go over yeah so he, you mentioned is is he kind of the the driving force? Would you say for your 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 is he one of the influence main influences for you for soccer? Devastating. He's my biggest fan. For yeah, sure. yeah. Do you guys watch games together and stuff? Are there any teams that you're fans of together or anything? Or we we don't we're not a family that has like a like a favorite team, but <laughs> we we do love watching soccer together. Now you played at Thayer, obviously in the in the ISL, great great league, obviously great prep league. What was playing? For Thayer, like, what were those ISL battles for you like growing up? Honestly, they remind me of what the Ivy League games are. And I actually played against a lot of those girls that went to the ISL schools in, in college now. It was it was very competitive. I got to play with some incredible players in high school, like Ali Setnor. So lucky to have spent some time with her. Right. It was awesome. I, my coaches a lot came from Scorpion, so I was familiar with the coaching style and definitely helped me in my game playing for Bayer in such a competitive league. How important do you think that that combination is of playing prep or, or high school, either one, whatever you're playing, but also playing club? I mean, it's, I know sometimes it's like you might be a central midfielder on your high school or, or prep team, but then not you, but just anybody. And then maybe a, a wing defender on your on your club team. So you're wearing different hats and you have different voices in your head and there's different coaching styles. But just like socially and just being around your friends and is that important do you think to kind of have those two sides of soccer definitely you need to one like diversify your game and I think at such a young age when you're developing as a player and maybe not know your identity as a player as much it's important to be able to try out those different roles and especially for me like playing for my high school team was about having fun and we were very successful but it was always a good reminder of like why I play the game because club can be stressful sometimes, very competitive. And so it was always good to remember like why I love the game, why I started playing the first place, why I continue to play and why I work so hard. 
what do you recall about just going through the recruiting process? Was Brown always the choice for you or were you looking into a bunch of different schools? I was looking into a bunch of different schools, but I feel like once I was once coaches in the Ivy League started reaching out, I was kind of said I'm going to an Ivy League and having the opportunity. Brown was always at the top of the list for them, especially because coach, my coach Kia, she is amazing and a big reason why I ended up coming here. I've always been coached by white males and I thought it would be a great opportunity to be coached by such a powerful female. Right. It was the, it was Kia like one of the main reasons. I mean, there's the school aspect too, but but just how did you did you just bond with her instantly? Was there just a good relationship right off the bat? Yes, immediately clicked, and I just felt like she didn't care about just like me as a player, but she wanted me to succeed as a person off and on the field. So yeah, we just clicked, and I just I I just have so much respect for her. And we're talking about Kia McNeil, the Brown head coach. What what what's her personality like, and how it meshes with your personality? She's a go-getter, just like me, very competitive, very driven. I love when we're, like, locked in in a game or we're trying to get hyped up, like, before PKs at when we were in Alabama for the tournament. I look over to her, and she's with us on the screaming, growling, <laughs> getting hype us up, just matching her energy, just getting us fired up. It's great to have a coach that gets involved with it as much as she does. Right. What are the, what's the NCAA tournament experience like? Is it? Did you feel extra anxious for those matches we i know th- this year you, you guys lost an ot right in the second was it the second round you lost to uc irvine i think right and that was that was in alabama what are those matches like to just experience and especially one like that where it's going to overtime and it's just a, a pressure cooker the whole time it's always a dream to make it to one of those high intense moments and just look around and be like i'm doing exactly what i want to do and that's how it felt in that moment. No one wants to go to overtime. You want to just win outright. But we were just like, this is an experience. We got to play as hard as we can and hopefully get our result. And we put everything we had into that game. It's just unfortunate it didn't go away. Right. Um, yeah, it was it was really, really intense. And I I just thinking back, like I think of nothing but good things from that game because right. it was. What was the, I mean, I'm, you guys must have taken a plane to that game, obviously, right? Because you're in Alabama. What was like the the plane ride back or what was the just the mood coming back after losing that? Was it just like an unfinished business type thing for you guys? Or I mean, that was was it was it emotional? What was that like? Right after the game, it was very emotional. We were just kind of in a huddle and just reflecting on our amazing season, season and all the history we've made and trying to remember that and not just that we finished the loss. But we also felt like there was unfinished business to do, especially losing in PKs. You feel like you could. It was so uncertain, so 50-50, that we didn't really have control over how we ended the our season. So on a plane ride back, we were just reminiscing about the the season, like I said. And But we know when we get away, touchdown and Providence is back to work. Day one, ready for the next year, trying to get prepared. When you ultimately decided to come to Brown, did you think that the program had what it took to be in the national conversation? I mean, to be a contender? I mean, you guys... I think you were ranked in the top 25 last year, right? I know you've been ranked in the top 25 in the last couple of years, along with Harvard. So you're clearly in that national discussion of teams that that have a chance to to win a national title. Did you feel like that was possible when you came to Brown? Was that kind of the goal is to compete for national championships? Absolutely. I watched the team grow since Kia and her whole coaching staff took over. And I just saw the trajectory and the, this, the heights that this team could go and the program could go and. We just continue to make history every year, and it it won't stop. 
will next season will come in, hopefully make it to Sweet 16, hopefully get another ring and show the whole NCAA that we're not, we don't, we don't just win Ivy League championships. We can be a contender for the national championship. Being a player who developed in New England, like we said, at the, at the prep level and, and the club level, was staying in New England important to you? Do you, do you take pride in being a player who, who developed in this area and, and kind of you're putting your hometown on the map, continuing to help put the hometown on the map kind of thing? Yes, I started looking at schools around when I was a sophomore in high school, so I was still pretty young. And I just knew I wanted to stay close to home, especially how heavily involved my family was in my whole journey. And I wanted them to be able to come to a lot of games, and they are, and they come to every single one of my games. <laughs> Great for report. So I know I wanted to stay close and like like you said, represent New England and show that there's good there's good soccer players that can come from this area. What's I mean, I know kind of know what you're gonna say to this question, but what's the goal for yourself and the team for the twenty twenty three season? I mean, is it do you have anything I, I know you, you want to get back to that NCAA tournament and, and play the best you possibly can, but are there are there any things you like you'd like to see from the team this year? Any any more reason that you guys are feeling optimistic going into this season than even prior seasons? I definitely want us to just keep making history. That means we've done that the last three years. I know we can do it this next coming season. So if that means getting a fourth Ivy ring, making to the Swiss team, making to the final four, I know we're capable of doing it, all of that. Providence is a is a great city, a great area to be in. It's kind of underrated. I mean, we know how great it is in New England. It's because it's a little city in Little Rhode Island. But what's what's the best part about being in in the Providence area? The location. It's it's just so gorgeous. I feel like I find a new cute little spot to sit at every day. And it's not too far from Boston. It's not too far from New York. It's you get that city vibe, but also the town vibe. So yeah, the location is just. Gorgeous. Any any food choices next time I'm in Providence that you can recommend? Any places you guys hit or any 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 restaurants oh, yeah. that you like? We love going to Federal Hill as a team and Dino's just delicious and Providence Oyster Bar is one of my family's personal favorites. Nice. Did you when you were growing up, did, did you spend much time in Providence before you got to college? Because Randolph's not far from Providence, right? Not too far. It's not too far. Once I visited the campus, actually, my family started coming up here a lot to go to different restaurants, especially when we went to see games and stuff. We would just spend the whole day down there. But yeah, once I once I came here, honestly, I couldn't leave. Yeah. Is after everything is said and done and you hopefully you have a long professional career after this or you become a highly successful biologist somewhere or, or whatever happens, happens. Would you want to settle back in New England or are there a place you think you, you could see yourself living when once you get done with everything? I think I would come back to to New England for sure. I have a yeah. lot of family there, and it's kind of where I've grown up. It's what I what I know. So yeah, I'm gonna explore. Hopefully, go abroad for a little bit. Yeah, you never know. Will take me, but definitely, this New England is always my home. Yeah, you're not sick of the snow yet. No, not yet. <laughs> Give it another twenty years, you'll get real sick of it after that. <laughs> Well, hey, Brittany, really appreciate you taking the time with us today. This was great, and I know you're going to have another big season in 2023, and I'm sure we'll we'll be talking to you guys, and, and best of luck going forward. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. It's the end of regulation, so let's move to Extra Time. It's now time for Extra Time, where our producer David Yaz gives me three mystery questions about the game of soccer. And I do my best to answer them. David, fire away. All right. I hope you're on your game today, Matt. Oof. Got three good ones. Oof. Let's go. 
Is the practice of flopping in soccer a troubling epidemic or is it merely part of the game? Oh, it's part of the game. I, I, I hate when, yeah, this, this bothers me when people get all fired up about it. I mean, it's, it's not just soccer, it's basketball right now. Has anybody watched an NBA game recently? Or, I mean, flopping yeah. is, it's, I'll tell you this. If you can perfect the art of flopping, you have value. I mean, what happens when, when you draw a foul? You, you get your team a free kick. And if you get that in the right spot, that's that's a scoring opportunity. So I, I it's kind of the thing that the naysayers about soccer always go to. I mean, well, yeah, why, sure. why is everyone flopping? Well, I can't watch a game where people are flopping. It's like I saw Tom Brady flop a whole bunch of times in the <laughs> NFL and earn a flag for the Patriots. I mean, in any in any sport, flopping exists. So there are no real dramatic flops exaggerated that that trouble you at all? doesn't trouble you as dishonest? It doesn't... No, it doesn't trouble me. I mean, I might... Depends what my rooting interest is. If it's like... (laughs) If it's a World Cup match and the U.S. is playing whoever, uh, France or whatever, and a a French player takes a dive and and they're rewarded and it's a blatant dive, yeah, I might get annoyed because it's going (laughs) against my rooting interest, but I, I don't mind it because you have to do business as business is done and you have to... If flopping has been part of the game forever and it's never going to change as much as Americans want it to change or people who are kind of new to the game of soccer, but it's not going to. And again, I liken it to to the Celtics. I mean, around here, everyone loves Marcus Smart, right? He mm-hmm. takes he takes dives more than anybody in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And Celtics fans love having him. And I'm sure every other team in the NBA hates playing against him and every, every other fan base hates playing against him. But he has value because he can draw those fouls. And the same is true for any soccer player. All right, we accept that answer. Although not all of us may agree, I but feel that's like okay. you don't agree. Well, I, 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 you're you're better person to answer the question than I. I don't watch enough soccer, so fair but, enough. But question number two: Will the United States win a World Cup in our lifetime, Matt? In our lifetime, Oof. am I going to live to 140? <laughs> I mean, Let's I, hope so. It really depends. I guess. Yep. I don't know. I'm not I'm not so sure because every year we're hopeful or every four years we're hopeful. Mm-hmm. And it's just we've come a ways. But I think the biggest problem with American soccer remains that we're great athletes. We defend really well. We just can't catch the rest of the world in skill in passing and just the crispness of our of our playing style is just doesn't match the European countries because we don't prioritize enough in this country. We do. I mean, soccer has come a long way, and it's gotten the quality's gotten a lot better. I mean, but even our professional league, the MLS, is good, but it doesn't quite meet the standards of some of the European leagues and leagues across the world. So I'd like to think we can win one, but, I mean, think of how many countries haven't won one. Mm. I mean, that have been doing soccer a lot better than us for, for decades, and they still haven't broken through. So... It was said that the last edition of the team was a step forward, maybe, but I wonder if you can only do it every four years, is it really a, a building process, right? I mean, you only right. have so many cracks at the World Cup as a player, right? Right, totally true. And yeah. you're right. This was supposed to be, oh, look at, look at the product we're putting on the field this year. And it, it just, and we, the problem I see too is we accept all these little victories as like, make them into giant steps in the right direction. We're like, oh, we held we held tight with England this time. But, like, I don't know. We, we're not really any closer to winning a World Cup than we were 12 years ago right now, I don't think. I mean, mm-hmm. I, we it, – it's just it's, – it's a long – it's still a long way to go. Uh, I 
I'm inclined to say I hope we win one, but I if I had to bet my my kids' future college tuition on it, I would probably say no. I mean, I don't I don't, I don't think they're going to win a World Cup. Maybe in our our children's lifetime, yeah, let's hope maybe so. they'll they'll live to see the yeah. US hoisting the World Cup. Final question on extra time. Are rivalries in soccer more or less fierce than rivalries in other sports? I think across the world they're more fierce. Here, maybe not so much. I mean, you have some some really good budding MLS rivalries. I know Seattle and Vancouver's a, a great rivalry in the MLS, and and there's there's budding things like that. But we don't. The funny. I mean, the thing is, most people around here don't uh, in this country who aren't really big soccer fans don't really have an appreciation for what the sport means to the rest of the world. Mm. They know, yeah, yeah, it's the most popular sport in the world, blah, blah, blah. They don't really understand, like, the extent of what that is. And the rivalries in Europe and the rivalries in in other continents are massive. And it's like, I think it's like Michigan and Ohio State on steroids. Red Sox-Yankees, what it used to be on steroids. I mean, Red Sox-Yankees is nothing now, but what it used to be on steroids. Celtics-Lakers on steroids. It's, It's just... These people live and breathe with these soccer teams. And we've talked about this, I feel like, on the show before, but welcome to Wrexham. Just watch that. Watch what that yep. just lower-level professional soccer club means to that town. Yeah, you walk into that pub that they feature there, and it is all everyone's talking about. It, it, is, it clearly, the mood, the tenor, the, the culture of that community rises and falls on the success of the team. It's probably a sort of cold-hearted measuring stick, but you can tell just by the the amount of violence that they have to prepare <laughs> for, right? In in in, in European countries, the, the 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 hooligans or just the enthusiastic fans that prefer not to be co- called hooligans, it it, it it you seem to take matters into your own life if you're wearing an opposing team <laughs> scarf, right? It, and, I mean, and there was a time when if I went to Yankee Stadium, I probably wouldn't wear a Red Sox hat. But for the most part, you're not going to get torn to shreds. And I mean, that's how intense it is over there, right? Right. And two things that come to mind: we need more scarves in American sports. Yeah, people <laughs> people need to start rocking the scarf more. I want to see scarves at Red Sox games, Celtics games, Bruins games. We need idea. more. We need Let's more. Let's go into business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, just the the sheer violence and 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 just uh, fist fights that happen and and the brutal name calling that happens it's because these people i mean they live and die by the success of these teams and they're just so attached to them and you you can argue that that's it's ridiculous i mean yep. for for any adult at any level to be that obsessed with a with a sporting event or that obsessed with a with a team is is ridiculous part of the reason might be because a lot of these european cities there isn't really a number 2 right i mean they know they love their cricket and right. some some countries love basketball but right. But, I mean, I'm thinking of that town, Wrexham. I, I don't know if there's, like, a, a cricket team called the, the Wrexham Cricket. Or I don't know. But it seems like the, so whatever the number two sport is, it is such a distant number two, which is so much different than this country. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like it would be like if you walked into a, a, a pub or a bar in Boston and all anyone was talking about is the Red Sox. We're just not caring about anything else going on. It's Red Sox, Red Sox, Red Sox. Or, or take your pick of any local professional team. But you're right. It's just... That's the game in town, and that's what people care about. And soccer is just so ingrained in the culture of everywhere else. And we're just, you know, we're on the route to that. We're catching up. It's gotten a lot bigger, and, and 
my lifetime for sure over the course of the years, but we, we just, I don't think anybody can have a real appreciation for it unless they went and lived in a different part of the world for a little while and just saw what it's like in, in those places. Well done, Matt. We're at the end of the segment. It's just like extra time in an actual soccer game. You never know exactly when it's going to end, but we're at the close. <laughs> well done. If you have a question for Matt about anything about soccer, something for the podcast, you can email me, Producer Dave. It's david.yas at siemensmedia.com. That's david.yas at s-e-a-m-a-n-s media.com. Thanks again to Brittany Rafino for joining the podcast. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast is produced by David Yaz and is a Siemens Media production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.